Good evening to those in the social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship. This is Minister Eric coming to you with our Saturday night message. We're glad to be with you again. Once again, this Saturday evening, we pray that you had a, a blessed and prosperous day. But we're going to start on a new subject tonight. I feel like God has really put this on my heart. And we're going um, to be talking about living for God in a godless society living for God in a godless society. And we we know when we look at our society, um, our things are pretty bad in a lot of areas. And, um, and the Bible does tell us things are not going to get any better. So, you know, you may be asking yourself, and maybe it's the question, well, how do I live for God in this godless society with all the things that are going on? And you know, how do I know what to do and what not to do? And and if you have a passion like I do for living for God and being the, the light, and we're going to talk about being a light in this world, well, you know, let's want to get some tools and get some perspective and, and see what God has to say about how do I live for God in a godless society? And I'm going to be coming from with this subject from the book of Daniel. So we're going to be in the book of Daniel and we're going to look at Daniel's life and his, and the three, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they lived um, in Babylonia while they were in captivity and see how Daniel lived even in a godless society, how that he was able to live for God. So, and we're going to, so we're going to start there tonight. I want to say about, but here's where I want to start at. Um, when we follow Jesus, um, it doesn't take long to realize that you're called to be different. And I want you to understand that's the first thing on it. As a believer, you, you and I, we are called to be different. You know, and a lot of times we want to fit in, but you need to understand that you are called to be different. Jesus um, described this in John 17 and 16 as being not of the world. So we are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Uh, in Peter's first letter, and you can see this in chapter two, verse 11, he calls the followers of Jesus sojourners and, and exiles. So he understood, Peter understood that we're like sojourners, we're like, like Daniel, we are sojourners or exile in a foreign land once you become born again a believer so the question is what does it mean in this everyday life what does it mean from from the beginning and from creation god was calling people to follow him and to be holy and set apart to do counter counterintuitive things like loving your enemies and forgiving those who wrong you. So we know this goes counterculture. This goes against the grain of loving your enemies, um, forgiving those who who hurt you or did you wrong. This goes against the natural flesh. Okay, but we are called to do that. This is how, this is some of the ways or one of the ways 
that we're called to be different. So, but we're called, notice that we're called to be holy. Okay, now that word holy, we said, you know, yeah, I'm I'm holy. We God called us to be holy. Okay, so let's read first Peter chapter one, verses 15 and 16. And it deals with that. It says, and I'm reading from the New Living Train, it says, but as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manners of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So God says, this is what Peter was saying. He said, we ought to be holy in all manners of conversation. It says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So God says, I'm holy, so you be holy. Now, we need to understand that. Okay, that this God demands distinction or he demands us to be different. Okay, he he called us to be different when you got born again. You understand as much as you would like to fit into the world, you're not going to fit in. You're not supposed to fit in with everything. That doesn't mean that you don't hang around people or you isolate yourself. But we're called to be different the way we act, the way we talk. So what God demands distinction. Now, this word holiness in the New Testament, I'm not going to try to pronounce this Greek word, but it means holy one <clears throat> or was often interpreted as saints referring to us Christians. So as Christians, let me say this. I know we we can't, this term is in the body of Christ. Where we're, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint. Okay, you are a saint. We are the saints of God. If you've been born again and Jesus Christ, your personal savior, you are a saint. Now, in our culture, maybe when you call yourself a saint, people are saying, oh, what are you saying? You're perfect. But in biblical terms, when you call yourself a saint, all you're saying is that I am a born again believer. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. So the root of the word implies being different. So when you call yourself holy, you're saying I'm different. Okay, I'm different. Why? Because I've been born again. The Holy Spirit now lives in me and I have a different mindset. I have a different way of thinking. Okay. I have a different way of talking. This, this is what, when you, when you become with these things, these are supposed to things are supposed to come out of your behavior or your actions is the way you talk. So it implies being different. It implies being distinct. Uh, to be holy in all manner of conversation, which we just read, means to be distinct in all manners of life, conduct, and behavior. Now, let me let me pause here for a second and say, okay, so we're called to be holy. And I don't want you to... But the first thing you need to understand is that you are holy because Jesus made you holy. Okay. You, let me say this. Your actions don't make you holy. And here's the reason why. Because there are people who are unsafe, who don't cuss, who don't drink, who don't, you know, um, live a what's the promiscuous lifestyle or caught up in just doing, there are unsaved people who are, whose behavior sometimes is better than some Christians. So the thing is, 
if you're just going to say, well, I'm holy because I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this. Okay. Then the, there are some unsaved people who could say the same thing. They're holy. Matter of fact, if you look at their behavior and lifestyle, they might be living holier than you. So your behavior, your be actions don't make you holy. Now, why do you say that? Well, let me let me read First Corinthians. Let's go to First Corinthians, chapter one, verse thirty and thirty-one. And we're not going to finish this tonight. This is part A of this, you know, because it's, it's a lot I really want to say tonight. But so this is part A. We're going to do part B next week. But let's read First Corinthians chapter one, verses thirty to thirty-one. And here's what it says in the New Living Trend. It says, God has united you with Jesus Christ. Okay. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Now, look at the scripture. It says that we are holy because Christ made us holy. Let me read it again. It says, that, first of all, it says, for our benefit, Christ, God made him to be wisdom itself. So we have wisdom because Jesus gave us. The day you got born again, he gave you wisdom. You're wise because Jesus made you wise because of what he did on the cross. You're, you're righteous because Jesus made you righteous. Okay, now your, your righteous actions don't make you righteous. No, it says here, Christ made us right with God. He made us righteousness. When the King James read, he says, we are the righteousness. Then he says, he made us holy, pure and holy. The King James, he, he, he became sanctification for us. So you're holy because of what Jesus did for us, not because of your actions. So this is key tonight. You need to get this. Okay. He freed us from sin. Okay. Jesus did that. You're not a sinner. Okay. Because Jesus set you free from sin. And then those last this part, listen to this last part. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. So what is it saying here? It's saying, okay, if I'm going to boast about being holy, I'm not going to boast on my actions. I'm going to boast on what Jesus did to make me holy. That's what I'm going to. I'm holy because of what he did. See, this is key tonight. And so. Holiness, so it's basically holiness is your identity the day you got saved. The, first, the, the day you got saved, you were holy. Even though you didn't have holy actions at the time, even though all your actions right now are not holy, but you need to believe that I am holy because Jesus made me holy. I am righteous because Jesus made, made me righteous. I am wise because Jesus made me wise. See, that's what we should be boasting on, not your actions. So holiness, holiness 
is the root. Okay. Your actions are the fruit. Your identity is the root. Your actions are the fruit. Now, once you believe in what Jesus did here, when you read this and say, okay, God, I believe you made me holy. I believe you made me righteous. I believe you made me wise. I believe you set me free from sin. Now that my identity is right, now out of my identity, once I know who I am, then I'm going to begin to do holy things. I'm going to be going to begin to do righteous things. I'm be begin to do things that are connected with being a wise person. I'm going to begin to begin to walk away or begin to change and get get out of a lifestyle that deals with sin. So you first have to get your identity lined up with God. You have to first believe I have been made holy by the finished works of Jesus Christ. And then I will begin to walk in holy. So though we're going to talk about behavior, but the first thing I want to get you to understand tonight is that you're holy because Jesus Christ made you holy. You're not holy because of what you do. You're holy because of what Jesus did. And then out of that identity of knowing what Jesus did for me and what he made me, then actions will flow. Righteous actions, holy actions, wise decisions, um, actions that lead me away from sin, sinful actions. So this is what I want to establish tonight. So understand that that is the key. That sets the, that's the foundation I want to set to where I'm going to go tonight. And so, therefore, so now we're talking about the book of Daniel. I'm going to kind of give you a little um, introduction to Daniel's life. It says, centuries before Jesus came, a team dude named Daniel uh, determined to follow God, even when it meant being different. And even if it costs his life. Okay, so Daniel was willing to say to follow God to be different, even if it cost his life. Daniel was part of a group of Jewish exiles taken in Babylon and chosen for the king's indoctrination program. As we study Daniel's choices, we we can learn principles to guide us as we navigate living a whole life of spiritual resolve in an unholy culture. So this is what we're going to learn from the book of of Daniel, how did he navigate in an unholy culture? How did he live holy for God? Okay, the first step always comes down to making a choice. Okay, so that's the first step to living holy. First of all, we talked about know your identity, and then you have to make a choice to live holy. So my the 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 thing I want to drive home tonight is you need to, when it comes to living um, for God in, in a godless society, you have to make a choice. You have to choose the kingdom. So remember that you got to choose the kingdom. So it comes down to making a choice. So Daniel 1 and 8 tells us uh, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Uh, this teenager, and imagine Daniel was a teenager here. 
You know, he wasn't no, he was a teenager. This teenager had to decide where to draw the line and take a stand. And we in this society, you and I got to do the same thing today. You have to decide, you have to choose, excuse me, you have to choose that you're going to make a stand. You're going to take a stand. Okay, this is what you have to do. You've got to be willing to do that. Okay, take a stand for something. For him, it meant keeping the dietary laws he was taught from God's people. It also meant exercising discipline to, to not to indulge in even permissible luxury food or drinks that could lead to dependence on those pleasures. As we read, God both strengthened and honors Daniel in this choice. And as he continues to choose God's ways above the ways of the culture around him. So things around you are going to be different and you got to choose to take a stand. So I'm going to read uh, Daniel chapter one, verses one through eight. I'm going to read that and read it from the New Living Translation. And it says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave victory, him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacrifice objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to the Babylonian as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. They will be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Elrod were four of the young men chosen from all the tribe of Judah. And the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylon names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Elrod was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unsectable foods, unsectable foods. So we see here, Daniel and his friends made a choice to be different. Now I want to go back and says, notice that now they are under the Mosaic law, which you couldn't eat certain food and certain things. 
But Daniel noticed that, hey, he says, you know what? I'm in a godless society, but I'm still going to live for God. And God honored that. Notice that God honored him when he chose to live for God in a godless society. And we've got to be the same way. I also like what it said. It also meant exercising self-discipline to not indulge in permissible luxury foods or to drink that could lead to dependence on those pleasures. So what is that? So everything that Daniel was going to eat was not bad. Okay. It wasn't bad. It was permissible. But Daniel says, it says here he didn't want to become so dependent on these pleasures. And I thought that was very interesting because a lot of times in our this culture, in this godless culture, I want to say to you, everything is not bad. All culture is not bad. Okay. Everything in the, in the goddess is not bad. Okay. But we as Christians, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we have to ask God, God, the Holy Spirit, what should I participate in? What things should I indulge in? Because I'm not going to say everything is bad. I don't want you to become under a, I'm not preaching a spirit of legalism. Okay. That's what I'm not preaching. But what I am preaching is that you become dependent on the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you as to what to do and what not to do. Because, you know, the, as we say, we have some gray areas as to should a Christian do this or should a Christian do that? And that's what we got to depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit to lead us. But I also, I want to go to this scripture. Um, First Corinthians chapter six, where Paul says this, he makes it very plain here that as Christians, and this is chapter six in First Corinthians, in verse twelve says this, and I'm reading from the Amplified verse. I want you to listen. It says he was talking to the Church of Corinth. He says everything is permissible, allowable, or awful to me. He said, but not all things are helpful, good for me to do, expedient and profitable when considering other things. I love that. Everything is lawful for me, he says, but I will not become a slave of anything or be brought under its power. So what is Paul saying? He says, okay, in this culture, we live in a, 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 a godless society. He says, as a Christian now, you everything's permissible. Now that you save, technically, you can do what you want. You're still a Christian. Behaving badly is not going to stop you from being a Christian. Okay? But he says, though everything is permissible, allowable, lawful to me, he says, but not all things are helpful, good for me to do, expedient, profitable when consider other things. He said, not everything is helpful or the King James is beneficial. So you got to determine what is beneficial for me. And I can name some things like, okay, getting a tattoo is not a sin. But is it going to help you based on what God is taking you? Because God may be calling you to be in an environment where they may not accept tattoos. They may not. It may not go well over there, even though it's not technically wrong. 
Okay, is a problem when, when it comes to drinking. A lot of Christians say, "Well, I can drink because the Bible says that the Bible time I'm getting drunk." That's true. It's not a sin to drink, but you need to ask yourself, as it says it, is it profitable when considering other things? Notice he says also he goes and says everything is lawful for me, but I will not become a slave of any or be brought under his powers. So he knows where I went back and I talked about. Well, I read how Daniel, he he didn't want to become dependent on certain pleasures, even though it was permissive for him to do it, to drink it or to eat it. But he said, I didn't want to become dependent on it. And see, a lot of things, and we know the alcohol, it can be very uh, addictive. Now, I'm not telling anybody, but I'm saying what I'm saying, you have to consider other things. Do I want, Lord, do you want me to do this? Is this profit? Is this benefit? Even though I know I can do it, is this benefit for, for me when it when it comes to being living for God in this God aside? Is it profitable for me? Is it beneficial for me to do this? Will it profit me anything? Is it going to um, put a damper on my influence? See, these are things you have to ask yourself as you live in this God society. And if you we're called to be a light, we're going to deal with that. Be a light in this world. Okay, we need to start asking that. But we should. We got to go beyond. Um, what well, is this a sin or not? We've got to go beyond that. Is this a sin or not? If it's not a sin, then I can do it. Well, technically, like I said, you can do it. But as you mature in Christ, you want to ask, is this something that's going to be beneficial for me to do based on what God's calling me to do and based on the influence that I should have in this world? Is it necessary or is it profitable for me to do it? So we're going to I'm going to finish tonight talking about Matthew, the scripture I want to deal with Matthew, Matthew's chapter five. Verses 13 and 16. And this scripture is talking about how we're salt and we're light. So I'm going to read it from the New Living Train. It says, says, says here, uh, you are the salt of the earth. Well, what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Ye are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No lights, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So, Notice he calls us salt and he calls us light. So let's deal with these two things for a second. So when we talk, when we look up the Greek word, when he talks about, and the King James Version says, uh, if a salt lose its savior. So let's deal with that, that phrase, lose its savior here. That means um, to make passively and act as simpleton. And it comes from the um, the Greek word moros, which means moron. 
or it also would be translated become fools, make foolish. So, so to put it all together, it said that if we aren't acting as salt on the world around us, we have become fools and are acting like morons, and that's pretty strong. But this is that's what that means. This man, if you're not being salt, you're acting like a moron, you're acting like a fool. And we don't want to be classified or identified as fools of the world. No, he called us to be different. He called us to be salt. Okay. We don't want to, nobody call us morons because you're acting like a moron. We don't, we don't want that. No, God called us to be salt. Okay. It, it's it, his was Psalms 14.1 said, a fool says in the heart that there is no God. Now that's not us. So to call you to be a fool means that you, you don't believe there is no God. And we know that doesn't fit us. So this means that if we're acting like the unsaved, we have lost our Savior. God has no way to salt the earth if we're not living right. He has no way to salt the earth. We, it will be trodden down under the feet of the ungodly. So people is not going to take you seriously if you're not living holy, if you're not living different. In other words, so the point is we got to choose the kingdom. That Daniel did. Daniel said, you know what? I'm in this godless society, but you know what? I'm going to choose the kingdom. We are, remember, we're kingdom citizens. You know, we're not. You may be Democrat or Republican. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you are kingdom citizens. You find out what the kingdom wants and you do what the kingdom asks us to do. Why? Because we are kingdom citizens. Okay. We're going to be, if you're not living like, as it said, you're not salt, then you, it said you're going to be downtrodden by the ungodly. Nobody's going to take you seriously. You're not going to have any influence. Another thing about salt here is that it is a preservative and a flavoring. You, we put salt on our food to, to wake up the flavor in the food. Jesus used salt as an illustrator of how his disciples are preserving and purifying influence upon the people of this world. So we are a preserving and purifying influence upon the people of this world. Without the church influence, the world would be completely useless. Imagine if there were no saved people, no Christian people in the earth. Imagine it would be kind of like Solomon Gomire, or it'd be like in the days of Noah with Noah and eight people were saved, but it would be really that bad. Okay, the whole tone of this symbol is emphasized our responsibility to others. So think about it. You have a responsibility to other people to be salt. It is our job to be salt in the world because we have responsibility to other people. The word it, and it means that it will lose its savior. Refers to in this verse, it can be interpreted in two ways. Now, it, it could be that the salt, it could, the, it could be the salt speaking of the saints of God, and their preserving influence that that becomes good for nothing, 
and is cast down on the ground and trampled underfoot. This would be similar to Jesus teaching on the branch that cannot bear fruit in John 15 and 6. So it said that it could be you'll be trampled on, like I said, under the feet of men, underfoot. In other words, you're not going to produce that. You're not going to have any influence, as I said. But it, it could also refer to the earth that the salt is supposed to be preserving. Okay, we are supposed to be preserving the earth. If we Christians, as the salt of the earth, do not do our job, then the Lord doesn't have any other method of preserving the earth. So if we don't do our jobs, then think about it. God would just have to come back and just destroy the earth because it'd be so much wickedness. So it's important that we do our job. It said, it, the earth will rot as people trample it underfoot without the preserving influence that God's people are intended to give. So think about how important, I want you to focus on tonight how important your job is to live holy in a godless society, to live for God in a, it's important. You have a responsibility, me and you, we have a responsibility to live holy and live righteous because, hey, we are the salt. We are preserving things. People, you know, we are keeping the world becoming so bad that God would just really have to destroy it. So think about the responsibility that you and I have in this world to be salt, to be light. So this is what we're, so now we want to talk about light. It says we are the salt of the world. It says we are the light of the world. Now, what is light? Light enables us to see. The world, which is darkness, has to have Christians to release the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ so that their blind eyes may be open. See, we are to open the blind eyes of the lost so they can see Jesus Christ. Why? By preaching the gospel, by telling people what Jesus did for them. Good news that, hey, the good news is that, you know what? Jesus died for you. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus paid the price for your sins. That is the good news that people need to hear from us. So Jesus was the light of the world. And the Bible tells us his disciples are also called the light of the world. Okay. Um, shows that as long as Jesus was in the world, in this physical body, okay. He was lighting the way for the Father. He, 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 he now shines through our lives. Again, our responsibility is to witness to the world is being stressed. We can't stress that enough, okay, for us to witness to the world and to share the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Okay, the purpose of a light is to dispel the darkness and allow us to see. Therefore, let your light so shine before men. That's what it tells us. And let your light shine before men. Which, so the Father can be glorified. Okay, so Jesus is the one who puts his light in us. So if you're a believer, Christ puts his light on the inside of you. And his purpose in doing so 
is so that we might shine his light to all those who are groping around in the dark. There are people that you may see on a daily basis, maybe your family members, maybe your coworkers, maybe people you cross paths with. Okay. They are groping around in the dark. They don't know Christ, but you and I are that light that they need to see. And just as we don't hide a light on a bushel, because the scripture says that, but put it in a place that will release the light. So our father wants to exalt his light in us and through us so that those who have not seen it, okay, for those who have not seen it, he wants us through us. God wants to work through you. He wants to work through you and me. And so we got to be want to live and live this life and see God live through us. The last thing I want to say, this light that the Lord put in his children is not expressed only by words. Now, you need to understand it. So it's not just about words. It's not just about telling people that I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, that I'm different. It's not enough to say that you're different, even though you are different on the inside because the Bible says, any man being Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. Yes, he has made you completely new. You are completely different. Your spirit has been made different the moment you got saved. Okay? But when I believe that, when you believe that, it's not going to be ex just expressed through words only. It's going to be expressed in your actions. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. We've, you've heard that phrase. Actions speak louder than words. Okay. You can talk all you want, but if people never see any evidence of what you're saying, they're not going to believe you. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. Believe that you are different and your actions should show the world that your actions should show a godless society that you are different, that you are different. And so your actions should speak louder than your words. But if all we if all we're all we do is act right. OK, if all we do is act right. People will contribute our goodness to us and our upbringing. So think about it. When I just said, okay, so action does speak language. It's not just enough for you to talk. You, you got to act it. But if all you're doing is just acting, people will contribute your goodness and your, and your good behavior to your upbringing. Because I said before, there are some people, unbelievers who just had good upbringing, had good parents and still good values in them. And they grew up with those values and things and they live them to this day. So both of them go together. So you got to speak it. OK, and you also got to act it out. Those two go hand in hand in order for you to be the law, the light and the salt. Okay, in this world. So it's important that we give God the glory. As I said before, 
you were made righteous. You were made holy the day you got born again. But now he's called us to be salt and to be light. And people should see it in your acting. So we want to speak it verbally to be a witness in this world. But we also want to act it out. So our speaking should be in line with our doing. And so, but once again, what uh, what was our focus on tonight is that you got to choose the kingdom. So Daniel's, um, in order to live for God in this in a in that godless society that he was in, he had to make a decision. He says, "I'm going to choose the kingdom over the kingdom of Babylon." You have to make a decision. So this is where you got to start. You have to make a decision tonight that you know what? First, believe that I'm different because Jesus Christ made me different. He made me holy. He made me righteous. He made me wise. Okay. He made me all those things. So I'm going to boast on him. But then once I believe that, then I'm going to choose to live for God in a godless society. And I'm going to begin to act on what I believe. So choose the kingdom versus choosing a, a godless society to be caught up in the culture, to become so dependent on them where we look just like them. There should be a difference in the way we do things. Why? Because we're called to be different in this world. So Daniel didn't have a problem with being different. And I, me and you, we can't have a problem with want to be different because understand that you're not going to fit in into every thing that the world is doing. Because we wasn't called to fit into everything that the world is doing. But you got to want, you got to choose the kingdom and the kingdom way of doing things and watch God work miracles in your life and the people around you, you're going to, because we're called to make a difference. And I believe that you want to make a difference. So let me pray. Father God, in the name of you, we thank you. First of all, God, for every ear that hears this word. I thank you, God, that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through your finished word, you made us holy. You made us right. You made us wise. You gave us peace. Okay. Love and self-control, all those things that you poured into us the day we got born again. But God, I pray for every person that hear this, begin to walk these things out as they allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to them and speak to them and empower them to live a life that is different. God, you call us to be different and let us be make a difference in this world. As you've called us to be salt and light, let us be salt to preserve the world. Let us be light so that people may see the glorious gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, that they may come crying, what must I do to be saved? I speak to every person that's hearing it. Pray to God. I pray that your Holy Spirit ministers them. And we thank you for ministering them, God. Transform their lives and we give you the glory and honor and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Once again, I thank you for listening on tonight. 
we'll come back to you again next week on part B because we're going to finish this up. We didn't finish. So that was part A. We're going to do part B on next week. And we're going to be really going to, um, I'm going to be expounding on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, where Paul is talking about living a holy life. And we're going to expound on that. But I'll see you again next week. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you and bye-bye.